You're listening to the winning literary show, Off the Shelf Books Talk Radio, live with host Denise Turney, author of the books Long Walk Up, Portia, Love for Over Me, Spiral, Love Has Many Faces, and Rosetta's Great Hope. Turn up your dial and get ready for a blast of feature author interviews, 411 on book festivals, writing conferences, and so much more. Ready? Let's go. Heart to be right, so you'll be criticized anyway. So, kicking off today's off the shelf show for this March the 19th, 2022, and that's from Eleanor Roosevelt. I like to start the show with a thought, just with a thought to, to, to jump off the show with do what you feel in your heart to be right, so you'll be criticized anyway. Do what you know is, a, is right for you, the best thing for you, instead of being guided by fear of what others might say or think. Do what you feel in your heart to be right. Eleanor, that's from Eleanor Roosevelt. And then I got to ask you guys, do you love mysteries? And I've been, I've been, I've been asking you this for the last two to three years. But this is a whole nother book. Do you love mystery and suspense? And this story is tied to real life events that have often on dominated headline news. What's the title of this book? Escaping. Toward freedom. Every page is written to keep you hanging on, wondering what's going to happen next. Tight, tight, tense things to see what is the final outcome of this story. And I bet you can't predict it. I encourage you, if you love mystery and suspense, mystery and suspense, I encourage you to get a copy of Escaping Toward Freedom, and it's my latest novel by yours truly, Denise Turner. You can get an e-book, paperback, hardback. You can get it at Kobo. You can get it at iTunes. You can get it at Apple Books. You can get it at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, or at my website, com. Again, it's Escaping Toward Freedom by Denise Turney. And now let us let us go and meet our very special off the shelf guest. I learned something from every guest on the show. You guys, we had it for sixteen years on the air. Sixteen years. We started on Real Radio over on uh, Rainbow Soul, a real radio station. Then we came over onto the podcast platform. But off the shelf's been around going on sixteen years now. And for every guest, I've learned something from every guest. And I'm so excited to introduce you to today's guest and see what he has to share. And our special off-the-shelf guest this morning is, and I hope I pronounce his name right, is Constantine Danae. And Constantine is a life coach, consultant, and author. He does creative writing, web design, social media management, and business startup consulting. He is also the author of the book Collateral Intentions. It's a memoir comprised of poems, short stories, letters, journal entries, and other forms of expression. You can check him out. I encourage you to check Constantine out online at, uh, I'm going to spell it, C-O-N-S-T-A-N-T-I-N-E-D-H-O-N-A-U.com, C O N. S-T-A-N-T-I-N-E-D-H-O-N-A-U.com. We are absolutely honored 
to have, and I hope I'm picking up the right line, we are absolutely honored to have Constantine with us on Off the Shelf this morning. Welcome to Off the Shelf, Constantine. Good morning, Denise. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing good. I hope I'm picking up the right line. Um, am I pronouncing your name correctly? Oh, you're pretty close. You know, it's always a guessing game with, with people. It's it's someone I like to play. It's Constantine Delano, but that's all right. Okay, okay. Well, it's it's such a pleasure to have it. And I'm, I, for some reason, I'm excited to hear what you share during today's show. I don't know if you're going to drop some gold nuggets on us. But before we get to talking about your writings and your book, Collateral Intentions, and more of your work, your consulting work, and how you help uh, startup business owners, I'm going to ask you the first three to four questions I ask every guest who comes on the show so our listeners get a little backstory on the guests before we start talking about their books. So to kick it off this morning, uh, Constantine, can you tell us where you grew up and what life was like for you growing up? I was... Uh, born around Miami, Florida, and <clears throat> I grew up in St. Petersburg, Florida, Tampa Bay area. Um, I spent the first 22, 23 years of my life over there, and I live in Colorado now, so I'm, I'm glad to be living in the Colorado mountains. But living in Florida, I was raised primarily by my mother and my aunt, two sisters, two wonderful women that raised me. And I grew up in Boy Scouts. I was the lead singer of a punk ska band for about two years. Yeah. Um, So I went camping pretty much once a month. And I did all right in school. I got got decent grades. My mom always told me I could have got straight A's. I tried a little bit harder, but I just wasn't interested in that. And um, so life is are you life the only, is all right. Are you the, I'm not living by the beach. Are only you child, the only yeah. child? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I do okay. have a half sister that lives over in Greece on my dad's side. Florida, you like and you like Colorado more than Florida. I do, yeah. But you know, I I think it might be grass is always greener type situation. You know, you grow up. You know, the beach, you want the mountains. You grow up in the mountains, you want the beach. Yeah, yeah, okay. Because most people would go for Florida all the way, like you said, the weather and the and the beach in Colorado. and the, You get all four seasons in Colorado, that's for sure. Now, I, when you were a kid, you talked about you were a lead singer in a punk band, and and that was certainly probably in your teen years, I'm imagining up. But the difference, you went camping a lot and growing up around the beach. But when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? What did you dream of being when you grew up? Oh, you know, the, the standard stuff. I uh, had phases of thinking about being a firefighter, or policeman, or superhero. Mostly dreamed about being a superhero. But it's always, you know, I always dreamed of helping people. It's always service oriented. And that's kind of been a theme throughout my life is how can I be of service to others? That's, that's the big thing for me. Now, who or what inspired you to pursue writing and book publishing? Yeah, well, I started writing, you know, somewhat seriously when I was 17, started keeping a journal at least in uh, started doing poetry and things more regularly. And so I've been keeping a journal since I was 17 years old. 
And that starts the way I think really any writer, any artist starts because of man or woman, because of some heartbreak. So um, there's a girl that I was interested in and got my heart broken and just started writing about things. And years and years you know go on. What? And the way that I keep my journals is a little bit different with from from most people. I write them the way anybody else would, but I like to have other people write in my journals as well, and they can read them and all that. So the book is pulled from my journals, and I I believe in openness, transparency, vulnerability. We're all human beings. We all have the, you know, our problems aren't so different from each other, you know? So what inspired Listen. me to become an author was basically – go ahead, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I want to hear what inspired you to become an author. Yeah, Um I mean, I was I was put I was pulling pieces out of my journals and, and putting all these poems together just because they're scattered across you know eleven different volumes and they're all there's all kinds of artwork and stuff in them so it'd be nice to have them in one clean polished volume. And as I was putting it together, my friends started asking for a copy of it because I would read poetry at open mics and and share them with friends and things like that. And they're like, well, you know, when you put something together, you know, make give me a copy. So more and more people started asking for it, and I was like, well, maybe I could, maybe I could do something with this. And I had done a lot of writing in college. Um, my thesis, I think, is what gave me the confidence to write a full-length book. I, I did a 115-page senior thesis in college, and that kind of cleared the path. Of like, yeah, I know, I know how to write, I know how to put things together, I know how to edit and proofread and work on really big projects like that. I, I So it, I have to ask you this. I'm listening to you and journaling. That's something that sometimes if a, uh, I majored in psychology. Sometimes psychologists, if somebody's stuck having an issue, they'll say try journaling. You know, try to write your dreams down and see what your subconscious is saying. And try journaling. You might better write your way through it. But it's rare I find that a teenager, I know you said you think it's common that writers start that way, well, maybe they maybe they do. Uh, in the years I've been doing off the shelf, is I haven't often heard writers say they got started writing a book through through journaling. But kudos to you for finding a way to to to, to work through that. But was anybody else in your family? Because you seem to almost have naturally gone into writing. Was was there anybody else in your family who was a writer? No, nobody. Okay. Okay. So you you I mean, my start mother, writing. My mother kept a journal. My mother kept a journal that, uh, that kind of inspired me in a small way, but it was it was like I don't know. And what I found when I was going through and putting this book together, going back through my journals and pulling these pieces out, you know, for the first several months, you know, I'd, I'd go back and look at my journals every now and again, anyways, because I'd, I'd pick a random day and be like, okay, what what was going on, you know. November 20th, five years ago, and I could find that or I could find it across, you know, year after year after year. You know, if there's something going on, it's like, what, is there a pattern that's going on here? And I can look wow. at every single year. And there's pretty similar themes that happen. You know, the cycles are real. Wow. You know, I've been journaling for over probably 20 years. I never thought to do what you're saying, to go back and just say what was happening on this day five years ago. Very interesting. Now, you say – 
what what you started journaling you you were sharing these journals with your friends you did some spoken word and then they said let me they thought you should do something with it that's what inspired you to actually write collateral intentions but you said something earlier I wanted to ask you about you said when you do your journals it's not just you doing the journal entries but other people can you expound on that how does that work where other people are also contributing to your journal entries yeah, I, I usually offer my journals up to people, um, you know, just if the mood strikes me, but especially when there's some kind of, like, really real, raw, pivotal moment happening in their life. Um, I've had family, friends, and strangers write in my journals, and when, and when they write in there, they can read anything they want to as well. It's, you know, kind of open book policy, and um, so I have the first draft, of one of my best friend's wedding vows in there and on the back of the page is his wife's wedding vows and she stuck her um her fake eyelashes from the wedding on the page as well um i've got another one of my best friends wrote a poem when he found out that his grandmother had died um i've got notes from people that were reflecting on breaking up or getting broken up with or moving, starting a new career. Um, so it's really, it's just kind of like, because the way I see it is my life isn't just me. It's not my experience. It's all of these relationships that I have. And so I want to capture that in my journals for me to look back on, for me to reflect on. And, you know, it's not just me living my life and my perspective. It's all these people that I'm interacting with that are, that are creating the puzzle the puzzle is the life that I'm living. I'm telling you, you. So here's a, here's the thing. Later in the interview, if we have time, I wanted to. I always like to share marketing tips with our listeners who might be small business owners or they might be writers themselves looking for new ways to connect with more readers and and market and sell more copies of their books. This is one thing I'm hearing loud and clear. I mean, listening to you as far as marketing collateral intentions. I've never even heard ever of what you're doing i've never heard of somebody saying i mean you could really market this in so many ways self-help uh it's just so many ways you could market this go back to just pick a date or just wherever your finger lands and just read a few pages and see what was going on in your life then see like you said if you can see some patterns that are coming up, but I've never, ever heard of anyone who had let somebody else read their journals and write in them. That, that is, uh, when you're marketing collateral intentions, it's not just a journal with your poems and song, but it's the way you approached it and created it, I've never heard of. It's like a very, very, very unique, uh, just your just your approach with it. That's a great way to market your book but so about collateral intentions for our office chef listeners this is said it spans the gamut of self-reflection opening the door to our own dark and private world and inspiring us to own the power of what makes us human our ability to grow and adapt how does collateral intentions constantine help us to own and better navigate our life journeys i think it's the the rawness and the, and the realness of it, um, the way the book is structured is basically 
10 years, 11 years of my life. It's 10 chapters, and at the end of each chapter, there's a kind of one or two page synopsis of what was going on in my life at the time, just to give the, the work some context. And so there's poems and, and journal entries and letters written to other people. And these are all like my thoughts, my feelings, my life. And the whole idea behind it is these are the things that I have struggled with. These are the things that I've succeeded with. These are the choices that I've made in my coming of age into adulthood. And I'm not the president of the United States. I'm not a billionaire. I'm not some, I'm not like a recovering heroin addict or anything. I'm just an everyday person living my life. So I think it's really accessible. I think it's really relatable. And the idea is just for people to have something to connect with. So if they're out there, they don't, they don't feel so alone in their journey. They're not feeling, you know, special or like they're not feeling noticed. They don't feel like they have a way to see what other people's experiences are. This is it. Like this is just an everyday person's journey through life, finding their way. And through that, hopefully they get inspired to share more of their story as well instead of holding it in and they can step into their power. And by being in vulnerability, they become invulnerable and they become stronger through that. Interesting. I was, it's almost like you, you actually know the next question I was going to ask. I was going to ask you, how can we practice vulnerability and how does that make us strong? Because the the initial thought I would imagine, oh, for me, is being vulnerable make, makes you weak, and it can expose you to people taking advantage of you. But how can we practice vulnerability, number one, and then how does that practice actually make us stronger? Yeah, big big thing for me that's made a huge impact on my life is self-compassion. Um, you said you studied psychology. I don't know if you've heard about Kristen Neff or not. No, I haven't. Yeah, might, might be a fun one for you to look into if you're looking into more. You want to get back into the psychology realm. Um, so self-compassion is this psychological theory that was established in 2003, and there's three different pillars that it kind of revolves around. Uh, but the whole idea is to be compassionate towards yourself, to relate to yourself as if you are your own best friend instead of your own worst enemy. You know, what would you want your mother or your father or your best friend, someone who really loves you, what would they say to you when you're having a hard time, when you're really feeling down and criticizing yourself? So to practice that vulnerability is, is I think, starts with forming a better relationship with yourself. And from there, you know, other people's opinions don't matter so much. And you become more fortified in who you are. And I had some pretty big stuff that's happened to me Um in the past year where, you know, it could be said that someone took advantage of me and my kindness and my vulnerability, but it's really, for me, it ended up being a huge expression and experience of trust in the universe and the way things go, trust in myself. And so I had a friend and I, we started a business together. Things are going really well. And then he kind of kicked me out and went off the deep end. When all that happened, it was like, you know what? I've offered so much love in this relationship, and I've seen a better side of that person, and I hope that they can find it themselves 
Um, but their darkness kind of took hold of them because they hadn't formed that relationship with themselves. So I felt like, you know, I've given you so much love and I've given you so much guidance and wisdom and direction and, and I've, I've offered a relationship in your life that you maybe have never had before in somebody in this capacity and I hope it works out for you. You know, so that's the, like, I was vulnerable. I got taken advantage of, quote, unquote, but I feel okay about it because I'm on my journey and I hope yours gets better and you feel better about yourself. Wow. Yeah, yeah. We each have to learn our, from our mistakes. We They say we all are always teaching, teaching and learning. And it is important that we love and accept ourselves because if not, we'll end up projecting those issues on the other people. Can you can you tell us about two two short stories and collateral intentions? And is everything you write in the book nonfiction, or do you do any fictional writing and collateral intention? There's there is one in particular that is a little bit kind of plays with fiction and nonfiction, um, and it's basically like some flash fiction. And it's a letter, a letter um, to the future. And so it kind of it talks about how the world is being, the world's wealth is being bought and consolidated into this group called like the One K, who's basically one thousand people that own ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the world's wealth. And the whole idea there is kind of, um, you know, like cultural boundaries have been washed out. It's all become a corporation and I've done all I can. And so it's up to the future generation. And just like the past generations told me that it's up to me, now I'm telling you that it's up to you. And there's this kind of like passing of the buck that's constantly happening in this sort of in action that's constantly happening. Ah, so that one's sort of that one's sort of a fictional in there. Uh, one of the short one of the uh, short stories. And what way? So somebody picks up collateral intentions. It kicks off when you're 17. You start journaling. A relationship didn't go the way that you had hoped that it would have. And what other ways will readers actually see you transform and evolve and change? Through, as they read collateral intentions from what seventeen you're seventeen when you start writing it and you're twenty eight when you finish, mm-hmm. how will they see you mm-hmm. change during that during that time period? Well, I think there's you know in, in some of the poetry and some of the journal entries, there's some classic like teenage boy angst, you know. Oh, I'm misunderstood and rebellious and like, I don't want to go to college and blah, blah, blah. And then start coming around to the idea of, Oh, maybe I do want to go to college and I'm, and I start meeting people, um, fall in love. Um, you see my evolution as a writer, like the writing, the quality of the writing gets better as it goes on, as I practice my craft more. Um, yeah, I think those are the biggest ways. Okay, okay. And 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 maybe they could even see how they're changing themselves as they during that same time period how they change as they reflect back. How did you of course, see yourself? Of 
how did you free yourself from this black and white thinking that everything is either this way totally or that way totally? I think a lot of that happened in the past five years or so. Um, yeah, I think the, the big introduction to that was um, LGBTQ um, populations and, and talking about the spectrum of sexuality. And then from there, learning about the spectrum of autism and just this, this kind of idea of spectrums. So I think those were the first introductory ideas. And then as time went on, I used to be a wilderness therapy field guide. So I would take ah. out, um, yeah, I would take teenagers and young adults that were struggling with self-harm or suicidal stuff, drug addiction, um, game addiction, things like that, behavior issues, and we'd, we'd be out there in the wilderness with them doing therapy with them. And, yeah, that's <clears> – <throat> I learned more about, like, some cognitive distortions and built on that from – I also studied psychology in, in college as well. So I think just over time I, I learned about it conceptually and then I started to really reflect on that in myself and how comfortable it is when things are black and white – but that's not the way the world works. Ah. So can you give us an example when you say how comfortable it is when it's black and white versus when you realize it's really not that way? Hmm. Yeah, it's hard to think of one on the spot, but... Okay, okay. I, think, I, I, well, have, I don't I know. You're, I, actually, I think dating is a really great one, right? That's where we're starting to form relationships with people, and we want things to be black and white. You know, are you in or are you out? It's like, well, you know, we don't really know yet. We're still trying to find each other out. We're still trying to build this relationship. So, um, And in relationships in general, you, I think it's more comfortable when things are black or white. It's either you're in or you're out. You love me or you don't. Uh, you support me or you don't support me. It's like, well, I'm going to support you most of the time, but if you start doing some stupid stuff, then I'm not going to be supporting you. You know, it's not black or white. There's there's room for negotiation between, so the gray area is really where the juice is. Good point. That's a great example. Yes, and then are you in or out that no matter what I do and say or how I treat you, you'll always be here treating me like I'm just wonderful. Yeah, and so that is a good one. That is a good one. And then some of it is it's some of work, no matter what goes down here, you're never going to leave. Or it, it it can be. I can see where, yeah. And you can definitely see that in things like religion and the way parenting. and yeah, But the world really doesn't work that way. Now I want to pivot a little bit from collateral intentions because you do a lot of other things. And I have to ask you, so for you, which came first, Constantine? Your book writing, your life coaching and consulting, which one did you start getting involved with first? Writing. Started with writing. Okay, the writing came first. Can you tell our office shelf mm-hmm. listeners about some of the services that you offer, particularly to entrepreneurs looking to start a business? Absolutely, yeah. I help people navigate um, establishing their LLCs and finding the right resources. You know, the hardest thing, especially with starting your own business, and, you know, this is coming from personal experience, the hardest thing 
can be, number one, believing in yourself. Number two, holding yourself accountable. Mm. And so the big advantages of working with a life coach or business consultant in that realm is you have someone that's going to hold you externally accountable and cheer you on. Like, yes, you can do this and we'll make the plan. We're going to find the steps. And, you know, a big thing I want to make clear is with, with any life coach or anything like that or any consultant, like they don't have all the answers up front, but they have the, the wherewithal and the skills to help, find the answers with you to make that plan, to break it down into small steps, to make it achievable, and to drive you forward. So you help people, you know, because I've always, I've, I work with somebody who's going into life coaching, and she said you never tell people what to do. You you just, you there's the ways you ask certain questions. You you help say things like what if, how have you have you considered, and then the, they have to make the decision. You can't tell you cannot give them – you can't tell them what to do. They have to – you just try to remove some blind spots so they can start this. Ah, I never thought of it that way. Oh, I exactly. never even exactly. I never even saw that. And so then the doors start to swing open on their own. Now, you also do, like, social media. You said web design and other social media services. Can you tell us about the types of social media management services do you manage websites do you not only designing them or hosting them what types of social media management services do you offer i don't offer a whole lot of social media management um it's mostly getting social media accounts started giving some tips on how to get things rolling and getting everything interconnected so that it creates more of an ecosystem and then as far as the website design goes um I do a lot of, I really, I prefer working with Wix, Wix Wix.com. That's my preferred engine builder. And so if people have nothing that they, like no website to start with, or they have a website that maybe they're not very happy with, I can build them something that's really nice, that looks clean. Um, And we can talk, I talk with my clients about, you know, do we want to do click funnel type situation, like one page leads straight into the next, or do you want to have multiple options? How do we want to build it out? So I have some experience with that as well. So let me ask you this. In today's world, where and, and social media, it changes so fast. I can remember years ago it was MySpace, and then it's like MySpace went totally away, yep. even though it's still in existence, yep. and a lot of major uh, singers and uh, musicians still use, you know, share their their material on MySpace, and they have an album release, mm-hmm. or et cetera. But MySpace kind of was huge, and then here oh, comes yeah. Facebook, and, that, and then uh-huh. Twitter, Twitter. But now people are talking about TikTok, and and yep. videos are in, and so it keeps changing. It it when I first came out, my book Portia came was released August of uh, 1998. Since then, I'm telling you, it was when I first came out, you had to have a website. Now it's like, eh, do you really need one? So I was going to ask you, if you have a strong social media presence, do you really need to have a website? I I know what my my answer, I think, is, and I would say yes. But based on your experience, what would you say to somebody? Just keep building out your social media presence. Well, the thing is, I mean, it really, it depends. 
it does depend on what what you're pushing, what you're offering, how you're selling it, and and what your offers are. Because, you know, you got things like you can make your online shop on Instagram right now, where people just buy things directly on Instagram. You can big and buy things on Facebook. Um, but when it comes down to it, and and the other thing is also like what what are you defining as a website? What we what we say the website is starting to change as well as we go as things go more mobile and you know, there's a whole other rabbit hole, but we're we're on the web 2.0 right now, and we got the web 3.0 coming up, and there's going to be a lot of big changes there. So it's really like, what is a website? You know, mm. right now it's something that's designed for desktop. Is it going to switch to something that's more designed for mobile? And then is it going to become something that's more designed for virtual reality? Are you going to be walking into a three-dimensional space in virtual reality? You know. Um, so I think the the big thing to consider is the world is changing at an accelerating rate. You yeah. see that, you know, from my Facebook to Instagram to Twitter and to Snapchat to TikTok. It's just so just be prepared to adapt. Yeah. And yeah. Short answer, do you need a website? No, you don't need a website. Is it going to help you? Is it going to make you look more professional? Is it going to give people a place to go? Is it going to show up better on Google when you search it? Yeah, it, it will help. It definitely will not hurt you, and it will 100% help. You know, it's, and it's so interesting what you said. Like, I, I was watching a show where people literally, and this guy who's got his music career started this way, and he met a woman that they have a son together with now. They have these virtual worlds. You literally go into I've never done it. You literally go into the virtual world and you have you are a um I can't think of the word, but you're not you don't look like yourself. You're a, um I forget the word, an avatar. avatar. You're an avatar <laughs> and you really live a life in this virtual world. And it is so yeah. bizarre when you said that going from website to this virtual world and that's where you sell your products. It's changing that fast, and so you, yeah. you and so like your services, you need somebody like a you who can keep up with these changes. Somebody who who knows what's coming next. They can help you build something out, so you're out in front of it. You're not always playing playing catch up, and I think that's really uh, important. So like your website design, social media services. Do you have any that focus on helping authors, writers in specifically, help them build and strengthen their brand and sell more of their books? Do you, can your services help authors? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, through through my own journey and, and publishing and marketing my own book, I mean, I, I've done everything. I did every single piece of my book myself, 100% DIY, from putting it all together, editing, proofreading, Drafting, redrafting, designing. I did the cover. I chose the fonts. I chose the pictures. I self-published it. I've been marketing it. I've done everything from front to back. So I've got a lot of experience and a lot of trial and error. Um, so I find a lot of things that work and a lot of things that don't work. Um, so I have I have a lot to offer in that realm. Okay, okay. Um, can you give us a glimpse? And I'm I'm kind of flipping a little bit uh, from the writing to. Uh, you, you do about, I'm thinking three different things. I'm focusing on your, your consulting, your coaching. You, you do the web design, 
and, of course, collateral intentions, your, your personal writing. But for now, can you give us a glimpse into what happens during a free coaching and consulting session with you? And how long are those sessions, and are they virtual? Right. So um, I do 30-minute free consultations, and that's really an opportunity for my clients to get to know me and for me to get to know my clients. So a lot of time we'll do video calls. And you can do, you know, we do Zoom, Skype, Google, any, anything that works for you. Um, they pick a time. They schedule it on Calendly, and that's, there's a link and all that on my website. So they pick a time that works for them. We'll have a 30-minute call. So it's a time to just, just communicate with each other, just get a feel for each other, to see each other, to talk with each other, and, and get a feel for, like, you know, are, are we going to gel as a life coach and a client? Because, you know, I'm not looking to take every single client that gives me a call. I really want it to be a good fit. I want it to be a good relationship. And, you know, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't mean life coaching isn't for you, but you need a different kind of life coach with a different approach so that you have, you have you're more comfortable in the relationship because the comfort and the trust is crucial to be able to make progress. So the 30 minutes really revolves around uh, me asking a little bit about my clients, you know, what's your backstory? What are you trying to accomplish? And giving them an opportunity to ask me about some of my experience, things that I offer, if they have specific questions around um, the packages that I offer. I have five different coaching programs, and I also do smaller cycles, three session batches that can revolve around relationships, uh, career, personal development, spiritual development. So that's that's what the 30-minute calls look like. So why would somebody? So let me the difference, and I'm I'm thinking as a as a as an off the shelf listener, what is the difference between life coaching and somebody going to, to, to talk to a therapist? What's that? What is the difference there? Absolutely, it's a great question. I get that question all the time, and the baseline difference. Simple answer: therapists work with past and present. Life coaches work with present and future. And the way that I also like to talk to my clients is in my ideal situation as a life coach, my clients aren't only working with, like for me, the perfect client is getting a life coach on their team a personal trainer on their team, a therapist on their team. They're building a, a team of people around them because they're really investing in their growth. And as a life coach, I have certain capabilities and I have certain limitations. A personal trainer, same thing. Therapist, same thing. So ideally, a client is looking to build a team around them. And maybe it doesn't happen simultaneously. Maybe it's part of the process. But just understanding that this is one part of your life and your process and your growth. So the big thing for life coaches, yeah, we work with what's going on right now. Where do you want to be? Okay, let's work backwards. Let's break it down into a plan. And I'm going to hold my clients accountable. I'm going to check in with them, make sure that they're feeling all right about their progress and adjusting things so that it consistently feels good as they work through their process. Because sometimes we're too ambitious and we fall short of the goals that we make, and then we end up spinning down the spiral of feeling like we can't do anything. 
sometimes we're not ambitious enough to do a little bit of something that's easy and we're like, oh, great, we did it. And we're not making as much progress as we could. So finding that constant edge to say, okay, we're just on the threshold of doing not enough and doing too much. And then, you know, with therapists, you know, if you have diagnoses, if you have, if you suspect that there's something that's undiagnosed in you, as far as psychological, emotional disorder or something like that, if you need medication, that's where it's like, okay, I can't help you with that. You need to talk to a therapist about that. We can continue to work together um, if the relationship's feeling really good, but I, I need to know that you're taking care of yourself and you're seeking people that are experienced in that realm of diagnosis. You know, I think it's very important when you said you're building a team. I can just say when I, uh, like, like I'll use a church, for example, a pastor can't do everything. And I've seen where people almost expect the pastor to be the family counselor, the therapist, psychotherapist, life coach. Uh, of course. Just of course. everything. And it's, he can't do everything. So you, 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 building a team, I like that concept that you say if somebody comes to you as a life coach, like, I can't do everything. I'm a part of your team. You might need to yeah. also uh, reach out for help here or there. What, when you work with your clients, do you see, what are some of the top three things that you see are keeping people? from achieving the goals they want, and they might have been passionate for this for years and they just can't get there. What are the top three things you've seen that are like a roadblock just keeping them from it? I mean, the number one overall, of course, is motivation, keeping themselves Mm. motivated. And as part of motivation is also the accountability. You know, I'm sure we could all imagine and in any situation, any time that we're trying to do something for somebody else, we show up for it. You know, you wake up every morning, you go to work, you clock out because you're accountable to somebody else. If you're giving somebody a gift or something for Christmas, if, as, when it comes to doing things for others, there's just a little bit of extra pressure and a little more desire to serve. And that's, this is, again, where the self-compassion comes in. We don't treat ourselves the same as we treat other people. And we let ourselves off the hook when it comes to doing things for ourselves. You know, maybe we're planning to go to the gym. It's like, well, I'm going to skip today or I'm going to wait an extra hour. Maybe we're trying to hold ourselves to a diet. Maybe um, we have a to-do list and we only get half of it done, whatever it is. It's like, well, you know, I, I did as much as I could. We just don't push as hard a lot of times for ourselves. So there's the motivation and the accountability. Another big thing I gotta say is COVID. Really? COVID's changed last year. Yes, COVID. It's because of the connection. People can't connect like they used to. And the expectation and the dynamic around connection in my mind and what I see is changing. Really? Even as you know the the, the we're coming out of it. People are going back to work. Some people never did, you know, some people, hospitals, nurses, firemen, police officers, some people never did go home for COVID. They were always going to work. but And that's in the millions of people who they never did get to stay at home. But some, a lot did, especially a lot of people in white-collar jobs, 
did uh, get did get to stay at home. But even with the return to the office, and I got to tell you, there's a situation that came up recently, and the, a person told me they were really struggling and an issue. And just hearing you talk about this, if this comes back up on Monday, it, I had thought about it. They said this problem started about a year ago, and I'm like, it, it sounded like it was something around COVID that either go, being out on COVID so long or trying to come back to the office from COVID created an issue. What, like, when you say COVID, how do you see it changing us? We're starting to get, people starting to get back out there. They're going to the stores. We, it's, it's like we're coming back. How do you see where it's changed, uh, how this deep change? I mean, the number one thing that I'm noticing is just connection. People are more disconnected. I mean, for instance, I just had, I had a call a couple days ago a life coaching call, and this person is feeling depressed, they're feeling sad, they're feeling um, out of touch, and they're, they're like, doing school online. They, they're not going into work. And basically the common denominator that I saw is, like, you have no connection in your life. You're not spending quality time with people. And so that's become the norm for a lot of people. One, we're just less driven to do it now because the whole world has changed and we just got used to for the past year or two. And especially these kids, you know, high school, college, like they, they're missing out on walking and graduation ceremonies. They're missing out on like a lot of the big parties that we get so much fun and connection out of as, as young people. And so it's set this, it kind of like stunted our growth and connection for two years. And, you know, you're talking about, people struggling to come back into the office. I mean, it's just a huge change. There's so many people are having to adapt to. They adapted to working from home and they're disconnected. Now they're trying to adapt back to what it was. And, you know, hopefully it stays how it is, but yeah. And I don't want to talk about COVID too much because we're all sick and tired of it, but that's, that's a huge factor that I see that even as we're coming out of it, it's going to have lasting effects. Wow, and and I think it I think it's something. I know you say you don't want to talk about it too much, but I think it's something that companies might might see issues, and they're wondering why is this issue here, and they don't realize it is related to that. It is related to this this shift because you're like this problem wasn't here before, and now here's it could be a relationship problem. You're like it wasn't here before, so what? There's something we need to dig into, and I I expect that there will be more dialogue as people start to see issues crop up, and they're like, it didn't start until before this yeah. this issue didn't even exist. And so I think there will be more dialogue and more ways to to work around it. It's beyond just physically changing where you work or something. I think there's, I really do, just based on one experience I've had. Not for me, but with somebody else. I really think there's going to have to be more dialogue around it. So as we come down to, we're within the less than uh, we got about less than 15 minutes to go. I have to ask you: Do you 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 you're very creative? You were a lead singer in a band. You you've got your business going. You, collateral <laughs> intentions mainly nonfiction, but I have to ask you this because you seem to have a creative mind. 
do you ever plan to write a novel, Constantine? And if you wrote a novel, what would it be about? You could use your life coaching experiences, everything, and write a great novel. Would you ever have desire to do that? And if so, what would that novel be about? Yeah, I'm not sure about a novel. That's, that's a whole other game. But maybe at some point, you know, I've, I've still – I practice here and there with, with short stories. Um, but I tend to be drawn towards science fiction. I tend to be drawn toward uh, dystopian things. I, don't know, I like I like some of that darker stuff. So, okay. What? Go ahead. So I would say that um, – Yeah, maybe I can see that happening in the future. As of right now, I got three or four book ideas that I'm working on that are that are more um, nonfiction based and a lot more, you know, similar kind of self help focus. You know, because I, like I said, I really I enjoy being of service. Like I said at the, at the beginning of the interview, I like being of service to others and helping people find their way. And um, so I like a lot of those practical pieces. Mm-hmm. But if I were to write. What? If I were to write a novel, it would probably be some science fiction dystopian stuff, probably, yeah. And what have readers been saying about collateral intentions? Are people loving it? What are they saying about it? I mean, you've got so many different writing forms in the book. Well, I mean, a lot of people say that like they can't read it in one go, and that's it's not because it's it's not readable, accessible. It's just the, the there's. They've been saying that there's so much in there and it's so dense. It's one of the, it's the type of book that you don't want to it blow through. You know, you pick it up, you put it down, you're like, I got to think about this. And you come back mm. to it. Very, um, very so thoughtful. Of, yes. Yeah, thought-provoking. Very thoughtful. Um, yes. Yeah. And, and that's the kind of, of um, You go ahead. No, and then when you put it down, you, it somehow your experiences that changed you that you shared, they may have actually changed the reader as well. It sounds like it. It's that kind of book. Yeah, there's been some other authors that have read the book as well, and for them, they said it's like a breath of fresh air when it comes to the way that that it's written and the way it's put together. You know, there's there's so much. It's so smart and there's so much wisdom and there's so much art in there and it's at the same time it's so unpretentious you know it's it's not kind of like touting itself in this realm of like inaccessibility it's 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 easy it's open it's relatable and, um that i think that's the, the big common thing people have been coming down to is you know it's it's, it's really relatable and it's they've had moments that they've really really connected with with pieces and my hope, my, my my dream for anybody reading this book is that they, you know, the book gets beaten up. It's not it's not a Bible to be kept sacred. You know, mark it, dog ear it, highlight, underline, tear pages out, share it. You know, whatever. maybe a few copies get burned in some ceremonial fire. Yeah, I'd love for people to really interact with it and, and tear it up. Okay. Now, what what writing process do you follow, Constantine? Do you use like outlines? Do you how do you start to craft a short story, a poem? How do you start to craft your writing? Usually, I mean, it depends on on which one I'm going for. With poetry, it usually starts with a feeling. 
and one or two lines will pop up in my head. And I spend a lot of time walking at night. I'm a bit of a night creature. So I'll usually go for a walk and I'll kind of type some notes on my phone as I go, or maybe I'll do a voice memo. Um, every once in a while I'll like have my journal on hand and I'll just start writing from there. Uh, but a lot of them start with sitting down, what am I feeling, put it in words on the page. I'll do it in one sitting and I may or may not revisit it and rework it. Um, most of the short stories I've written, I usually, they start with a dream. I'll have a really vivid dream and I'll wake up and I'll start create, writing down everything uh, I can from that dream and creating a story around that. Interesting. That I find and interesting. Then, yeah, general writing process. Um, yeah, I'll start with a bit of a word vomit and then create an outline. So it really depends on the approach. If it's, it's, if it's creative stuff, it's, it's a lot about like a momentary inspiration and harnessing that and getting as much down as I can versus, you know, more of the nonfiction structured stuff is like outline and put a lot into it. And normally I'll, I'll, I, can, I can be somewhat manic about my approach. You know, I'll spend sometimes two or three days straight working on a project. I'll just like wake up and go until – five o'clock in the morning and sleep for a couple hours and do that for two or three days. And then I'll put it down for weeks or months and come back to it. Now we've, we've talked some about your writing process, the process you have to actually follow to do like your poems, your short stories, et cetera. Can you share mm -hmm. three to four steps, Constantine, that you take that you personally have found to be effective at getting the word out about your books? I, so personally, I walk into local bookshops whenever I'm, like, driving through a town, if I'm on a road trip or something. I'll bring copies in, and I'll be like, hey, I've got this book. Do you want to sell it here? And, you know, that's just a numbers game. I'd say about half the time the bookstores are like, yeah, you know, we love to support small authors and local authors and stuff. We love to have it here. And so that's one way. You know, basically keeping books on you all the time, number one, and talk about it. Talk about your book. Uh, okay. Another way, obviously, you've got to be on social media. Uh, you've got to be online. And <clears throat> the biggest thing I can say is videos change the game. People love mm. moving content in videos more than still content. Interesting. So, yeah, make some videos. Um, People like to see you. People like to hear from you. People like the, the personal connection and relationship that they can get online, you know, from a distance. They get, they get a chance to know you kind of as a person. And then as they read your book, as they read your story, they know where it's coming from and who it is and, and kind of who it's about, what it's about. Um, and it doesn't have to be like a whole huge production, studio lights, all this. That can be, you know, pull your phone out, take a 30-second video, Talk about the book. Talk about what's going on in your life, and just form that relationship with your readers. Okay, okay. Where can off-the-shelf listeners get a copy of uh, Collateral Intentions? My favorite way for people to to get a copy of Collateral Intentions is go to indiebound.org, and that's a fantastic website. You can order 
any book that's available online to your local bookstore. So you support local business, you support your local bookstores, they'll get it in for you. And uh, that's the best way to do it, I think. Or go to the local bookstore and request it themselves. Otherwise, you can find it at all the usual channels, you know, Amazon, and, um, all those places. You know, just Google it and you can find it. It is there. I love that IndieBound.org push. And then um, what is it? I want to say is it Bookshop? That's another one that supports local bookstores. Um Cause I, God bless local booksellers. I mean, I I love local bookstores, so I really appreciate you sharing at IndieBound.com. You support your local bookstores, or just go in and ask them for it, and they can they can order you a copy through a, through a distributor. We are coming down to the end of the show. Do you have any upcoming speaking engagements that you can share with our listeners? Any other no interviews, etc. You're doing. Nothing, nothing on the books for that at this point. I've been uh, kind of switching gears out of book world into life coaching world and really focusing on that lately. So I have some workshops coming up. Um, I will put a plug out there that actually you're you're up in New York, right? No, I'm actually in Tennessee. I oh, used to be in Tennessee. Pennsylvania, okay. but no. So, but go ahead, tell us, tell us. <laughs> there are some masculinity workshops that are in the works right now. Um, and we're going to be calling it man camp and basically me and three of my very experienced, very knowledgeable, wonderful friends, we are putting together a few workshops this summer. Um, so keep an eye out for those. Let me see if I can get the Instagram tag. That where we'll will they, where will they find more information? Where, where can they find more information on those at? So you can look up soleadolavender.com. That's S-O-L-E-A-D-O, lavender.com. We're going to be doing the workshops on a lavender farm. It's going to be really amazing. And uh, we are still getting some of the contact information for the Instagram and the marketing. But you can also follow me uh, on Instagram, foolish underscore gal. You can go to my website, ConstantineDono.com, and, you know, you don't have to know how to spell my last name. Google will fix it. Do your best. And uh, you can find me on Facebook. You can find me on LinkedIn as well. Just plug in Constantine Dono, and I will come up, and you'll find more information about those workshops, and we'll be putting out more information on other Instagram profiles as well. Well, I want to thank you, thank you, thank you, Constantine. He's a man on the move. And he started writing when a relationship didn't go the way he wanted to. And look where he is now. Oh, my goodness. So you just keep going on your on your journey. He's a, You are a long way from there. So you just keep, you just keep going. And you just trust, trust your journey, as he said earlier in today's show. In the process. Thank you so much, Constantine. And I do hope that something that was shared here today, it might be just what somebody needs to to keep to keep moving forward. And so, as I always tell you, first of all, thank you for joining us here at Off the Shelf. Remember, set your calendar, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or New York City time. You're going to catch Saturday mornings, every Saturday morning, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. You're going to tune in to Off the Shelf where you can get so many good nuggets, entertainment, et cetera, 
just like you did today from Constantine, from other other amazing authors as well. Thank you, Constantine. To our listeners, as I always say, you are amazing, incredible. You are fabulous. Go out and create a wonderful day for yourself today. When the show finishes streaming, Constantine, I'll send you a link to the show. Bye for now. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day and enjoy the weekend. Happy spring break.